You're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Many of us have had very little training in sleep medicine. What is normal sleep? How does sleep change as we age? Is it normal to sleep less as we get older? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lynch, your host, and with me today is Dr. Jennifer Lynch, a board-certified neurologist and sleep medicine specialist who practices at the Farrell Duncan Clinic in Springfield, Missouri. Welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Great to have you. So, Dr. Lynch, can you please describe for us what normal sleep looks like? Normal sleep consists of really six stages. Uh, One, of course, is not sleep. It's wake. But then there are two stages of lighter sleep that are non-REM sleep, stages one and two. And then another stage that we group together, stages three and four, that classify delta sleep. These are deeper stages of sleep. And then there is REM sleep, which is dreaming sleep. These make up various proportions of the night. Generally, we spend very little time in wake, hopefully. We spend, again, very little time in stage one. Stage two is the most dominant stage. It's about half of sleep. Delta sleep changes considerably over the course of a lifetime and increases in younger adults and with sleep deprivation and decreases in older adults and often disappears, whereas REM sleep tends to be stable throughout the lifespan. So what does this look like clinically? Can you hear this in in patients' experience? To some degree. Certainly, REM-related disorders change over the lifespan to some degree, and people will report that they have fragmentation and sleep problems as they age, but they can't really tell you that I'm having less delta sleep. We can hear that they're having more sleep problems, which tend to increase with age. So what are the common sleep complaints in the aging population? Well, insomnia is going to be one of the most common that is there, but all other sleep disorders tend to increase with age as well. There's restless legs that increases, sleep apnea increases with age, sleep fragmentation, increased excessive sleepiness is also more common in aging. Sleep just generally changes as we age as well so that from night to night, our sleep quality varies. Uh, We spend a greater time in bed with less sleep time out of that, so that our sleep efficiency decreases. We have decreased delta sleep, which is felt to be one of the more restorative stages of sleep, and the time that we sleep changes. Lots of older adults tend to go to sleep after dinner and wake up in almost the middle of the night because of a phase advance, because changes in the circadian rhythm tend to degenerate some degree with age. Other degenerative disorders tend to affect sleep with age also, so that anything that deteriorates our general health, whether it's medications, the underlying problem itself, psychological problems such as anxiety and depression, all of these tend to affect sleep and lead to these problems. Okay, so insomnia is the most common thing that you may see in the aging population. Um, What else? Well, restless legs sleep apnea, the phase advance problems are going to be many of the most common things, but they're actually all sort of interrelated because the medications and the medical problems tend to interact. Most older people, uh, as opposed to a younger adult, don't tend to have just one sleep problem. They tend to have a component of lots of them. Now, why is this? Well, uh, lots of reasons. As we age, we tend to lose brain volume, we tend to lose neurons, and we tend to have just fewer connections so that this 
circuitry that keeps us both awake and the circuitry that keeps us asleep both tend to degenerate and we have less sleep continuity. We have more awakenings because of that. The neuronal control pathway that helps paralyze our bodies when we go into dreaming sleep tends to degenerate and people develop REM behavior disorder uh, at increased rates with aging. We tend to have just more medical problems and more medications that all tend to impact the quality of our sleep as well because medications don't just always affect the thing that they're supposed to. Uh, they often cause a number of unwanted side effects. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunch, your host, and with me today is Dr. Jennifer Lynch, neurologist and sleep specialist. So, Dr. Lynch, what about the patients, you know, many of the elderly patients that I see in my practice have a tremendous difficulty, it seems, in staying awake throughout the day? That is very common. So just as they have difficulty staying asleep, they have difficulty staying awake. Part of this is just this decreased efficiency of the pathways that maintain both sleep and wakefulness. If we fragment our sleep at night, sleep becomes much less restorative. And then when we're trying to stay awake during the daytime, it's almost random, that amount of wakefulness and sleep. It's milder, but probably similar pathologically because orexin neurons degenerate as well to narcolepsy uh, so that we just don't regulate the wakefulness and sleep the way that we used to. Also, so many medications that older adults are on are going to have antihistamine effects, anticholinergic effects, uh, and have sleep effects during the nighttime so that they're just not as easily awake during the daytime. Additionally, if they have restless legs, whether that's primary or secondary, uh, or if they have sleep apnea, both of which are conditions that increase with aging, that fragments their sleep and leads to increased excess days, daytime somnolence. Now, you mentioned orexin. Uh, I think maybe a lot of our listeners may not be familiar with that one. Can you explain what that is, please? Well, orexin actually was not known until 1999 uh, when it was discovered to be uh, an important brain system that regulates wakefulness. It was found to be absent in both Dobermans and mice that had narcolepsy-type features. Actually, one of them missed the receptor and one of them missed the protein, and that's how we learned that this system was very important. And we've learned more over time about orexin that it really does have a key role in maintaining wakefulness and that orexin neurons degenerate even in the normal person. So that is almost your sleep stabilizer? It is a sleep stabilizer. It keeps the sleep switch mechanism activated so that helps keep us either awake or asleep if this is on or off. Now, let's go back to the common complaints in the aging population. Let's leave insomnia aside for the moment and talk about the other conditions. How might you go about treating them? Well, I think that most important is to get a very good history. Unfortunately, in primary care, that's very difficult because it's a can of worms. Once you've asked somebody if they have difficulty sleeping, almost invariably you will get a yes in somebody that has some other medical problems. I think identifying the nature of the sleep complaint is more important than just throwing a medication at them because it's really not a one-size-fits-all. People compensate for poor sleep by making poor choices. They start watching TV in bed. They start taking a lot of naps during the daytime. And 
I think that education and looking at that is really important and trying to minimize the amount of medications that we give to the older individual is very important. Unfortunately, to do a good job, it's time-consuming. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunch, your host, and with me today is Dr. Jennifer Lynch, neurologist and sleep specialist. Now, how about we hear so much about restless legs? How do you go about treating that? Well, restless legs, again, I think you've got to identify the underlying cause. It is present in about 10% of our population. 60% of this has a genetic component so that they can identify that mom or dad or brother or sister has similar problems with a creepy, crawly uh, sensation in their calves that appears in the evening. They get their best sleep in the late morning hours because it seems to have gone away by that time. That's the most common, but in the older population, that's not the most common anymore because the people with genetic risk factors showed up a long time ago, and people are now having restless legs as a result of iron deficiency, as a result of B12 deficiency, renal disease, hepatic disorders, uh, peripheral neuropathy, vascular problems, pain disorders in the legs. All of these things are causes, and you would treat them differently. In the truly genetic patient, dopaminergic agonists seem to be very effective. Unfortunately, sometimes this is accompanied by rebound and augmentation down the road so that the symptoms now come on earlier in the evening or they involve the arms as well as the legs. When this is the case, you really need to stop that medication and switch to secondary agents. Uh, If that is the case, then again, you look to the primary cause if you can but we tend to use different medications. A lot of times, medications that are effective for treatment of neuropathic pain, such as gabapentin or pregabalin, may be effective, and things that simply decrease our arousals and put us to sleep, such as a benzodiazepine, may be effective, and then things that decrease pain. So narcotic pain medications often are useful in this population as well. In the last few minutes, how about the quick version of treating obstructive sleep apnea, especially in the elderly? Well, in the elderly population, there is a lot more sleep apnea. Unfortunately, it's harder to treat in this population. Their faces get very floppy, uh, and they have a harder time sealing to masks. They also get demented, and they have a hard time adjusting to a mask. So CPAP, while it is the gold standard for our therapy, isn't always the treatment that we can use for those folks. So in a demented individual, you really might just treat with supplemental oxygen. I certainly wouldn't recommend doing that in somebody that's got good learning capacity and has good dentition and you know has a good facial structure for accepting the mask, but sometimes you have to make compromises in the older adult and do what will be tolerated by them. You might look to medications that might have neuromuscular effects. Benzodiazepines that relax the muscles will exacerbate it. Sleep positioning changes, elevation of the head of the bed may be something that an older individual would tolerate. And then looking at medications that don't cause muscular relaxation that enhance sleep may be very useful. Can you give us some examples of those? Those medications might be... uh, Remelteon, which is a newer medication. It works by a different mechanism than the other sleep medications, but has been shown to be effective, has no effect on breathing parameters in sleep. So that is a very safe medication. 
the Z drugs, uh, which are the benzodiazepine receptor agonists that we use very commonly, are also less likely to have respiratory depression. I would avoid using the benzodiazepines because they do have a significant effect on respiratory depression in somebody that's got obstructive sleep apnea. Okay, so that would be Rosarum, Ambien, Lunesta, Sonata, but perhaps not Dalmain, Restoril, those sorts of medicines. Exactly. Okay. Well, I want to thank our guest, Dr. Jennifer Lynch. We've been discussing sleep and aging. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.